Welcome back to another episode of the Rotten Apple Sports Podcast. This is your boy, Larry, as always, joined by my guys, Los and Will. Tonight, we got a special episode. We're going to do a little bit of slandering tonight. Top five worst coaches in the last 10 years. Apparently, I didn't get the memo, and I stuck with just New York coaches. These guys branched out a little bit, so this is going to be interesting. To really understand New York sports, you got to breathe it, live it experience it whether you're watching the grom strike out batters at city field or watching randall barrett and the knicks at the garden heck even watching kd Kyrie, or harden drop 50 in brooklyn whether you're a yankees fan rangers fan giants fan jets fan or even an islanders fan there's one thing they all got in common they represent this city just like this podcast does rotten apple sports Tune in. There's uh whenever it comes to slander and talking talking about bad coaching is something that in the New York area we got a lot of experience. But you know, when you see these lists, it branches out too local nationally. So bad coaches are everywhere. Yeah, we used to bad coaching, a lot of it all over the place for a lot of years. So this list is kind of fun. It, it branches out a bit because there's bad coaching anywhere. But, you know, here in New York, we're used to it a lot. So this should be fun tonight. I'll start off, you know, number five on my list. He's behind me. The listeners can't see. But Ben McAdoo in his balloon suit. <laughs> yes, he's the only coach other than Tom Coughlin in the last 15 years. 16 years, 17 years to bring the Giants to the playoffs. But we lost in the wild card. And then the following year, he thought it was a good idea to bench Eli Manning and start Geno Smith. A move I'll never, ever forgive anybody within the Giants organization for let happening. You broke Eli's streak for what? For what? And then we went 3-13 and on the season. So you benched Eli for what? Because you thought that you was about to move on from one of two quarterbacks to bring this franchise a Super Bowl ring? Well, technically three quarterbacks because Sims was hurt for one Super Bowl. But Eli Manning, two-time Super Bowl champion, future Hall of Famer. You got the nerve to bench him for Geno fucking Smith? The fact that Geno Smith was even on the roster was disrespectful. The fact that he was Eli's backup was a slap in the face to everybody that ever played football, especially the quarterback position, because Geno Smith is a fucking scrub. We saw what he did with Seattle this year. We saw what y'all saw firsthand how garbage he was in the Jets uniform. The fact that this man, Ben McAdoo, Bench Eli Manning automatically puts him on this list. The fact that he went three and thirteen, well, what? Three and technically three and twelve because he got fired after he benched Eli and they lost. Ben McAdoo, I I don't know what else to say. He's a horrible coach. He was a he was a pretty good offensive coordinator. Horrible fucking coach. Will you want to go next? Yeah, um, I branched out a little bit, and I went to the college ranks. And I picked Charlie Weiss. It was a, a mitigated disaster. He stunk. He was a Notre good quarterback. Yeah, Notre Dame, Kansas, from 2012 to 2014. He had a 6-22 and 22 overall record. And one, one year he went 1-11 with Kansas. They gave him $12.5 million. He couldn't even finish out his contract. He stunk. He had nothing. He had no, no system, no quarterback, no nothing. He was known as uh, for his defenses. Didn't work there. He got every his team got pummeled every time. He was a in a power five conference. His team ended up last every year that he coached. So he he was ter- he was terrible. I mean, in the FBS, they can give you a, a limit, you know, for scholarships and, and stuff like that. He went oh he would try to go over the limit and still couldn't recruit players because they wouldn't want to play for him. He was a he was terrible recruiter. I heard he was a terrible human. He treated the players like shit. He was bad. He left the school in financial ruins. So besides being a terrible coach, he left the program in a terrible position. 
So my my coach at, at number five is the terrible disaster, Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss came from the Belichick tree, the rotten tree at that point, because he was awful. And what was worse, he was on national television every Saturday for the world to see what kind of fraud he was, you know? And if I'm going back just to McAdoo, I remember that day that they benched Eli and the outrage and the people that were calling WFAN and the jokes that were being made. And McAdoo, he signed his, his fate right there. That day he was done. He was done with the city. He was done with the Giants. He was done with everybody. I remember just quickly before I named my coach, uh, the great Mike Francesa was mentioning about Super Bowls. And he said the only way uh, Bob McAdoo would know anything about Super Bowls was if he bought a ticket. <laughs> so that's all you need to know. Eli Manning got, gave that organization two Super Bowls, and that's the way they treated him. And again, like Larry said, for Geno Smith, unacceptable. Now, my coach has some ties with the Giants. He wasn't actually the, the head coach for the Giant during this tenure. But I'm going to go with Steve Spagnuolo and his terrible, terrible Ram tenure in which, you know, he got the job based off the defense and with the Giants and the great job they did. And it just didn't go great for him. You know, his first year, he went 1-15. Anytime you go 1-15, 0-16, you know you were awful. But what was worse about it that he had the second worst defense, and that's what he's known as. You know, he's a defensive mind. It just seems like he was one of these guys that it was a it was a mix of a bad roster, a bad situation. But for your first coaching job and to go one and fifteen, that's just bad. Overall, he went eleven and forty-one, and given the way uh, coaches are given a short leash, a short lease now, I'm su- I'm surprised he even lasts that long. So I'm going to go with Steve Spagnolo, number five, 11 and 41 record for the Rams. Okay. Well, for me, number four on my list, Derek Fisher had the worst record in the last 10 years for the Knicks. Derek Fisher was a horrible coach. Don't know how they even really, what was it? Phil Jackson was just like, I need somebody to coach the triangle. He tried to get, he tried to get this guy, Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr. It was reported that he agreed to go with the Knicks and then he spurned the Knicks to go with the, the Golden State Warriors. We all know the story. Derek Fisher was 17 and 65 his first season with the Knicks. First time head coach, first year with the Knicks, 17 and 65. The following year, he went 32 and 50. Well, he went 23 and 31 before he got fired. And the Knicks went 32 and 50 overall. I don't think I need to say anything else, do I? Like, it was just a horrible, horrible experience. They had one of the worst records in the NBA with him leading the way. There's nothing else to really say. And he did some bird shit off the court when he started dealing with Matt Barnes' wife behind his, well, ex-wife behind his back. Like, didn't say nothing to him as a man. Like, they supposed to be cool. Like, and I, I, took that into consideration there's another person on this list that part of the reason why he's on the list is because of stuff that has nothing to do with the game but just him as a human being if i remember correctly he got into that altercation whatever and didn't even mention it to the knicks yeah and then supposedly um a lot of people in the locker room lost a lot of respect for him which is understandable because He's a former player. Like, he literally just retired, went straight into coaching and did that to someone that is supposed to be one of his brothers. Not just that. He got his job basically right after Kid got his job coming off the court. So it was like, you know, you get in a you get in a situation that some guys work years for. Like, Patrick Ewan been an assistant forever, you know? So... He got a great opportunity. I'm not going to say that the roster was great at the moment, but he didn't take advantage of what was given to him. I'll leave it at that. I'm not saying that it was a good roster or a great ro- I'm not going to say it was a great roster, right? They had Jose Calderon. Yeah, they had Melo, right? But they had Jose Calderon. 
Samuel Dallenberg, Langston Galloway, Tim Hardaway Jr. And this is Tim Hardaway Jr.'s first go around with the Knicks. Amon Shumpert, J.R. Smith, Amari Stoudemire. Well, we all know he couldn't stay healthy. Cole Aldridge, Quincy Acey, Lou Adamson. Like, this was not a great team. Nowhere close to a great team. But this is not a 17 and 65 team either. This is not a 23 and 31 team. Like, that's a team that should have at least been fighting for a playoff spot at minimum. They still have Melo there, like. Now, you can say what you want about Melo, but Melo was balling out. There's no excuse for that shit. He's just a bad coach. And a lot of that falls on Phil Jackson for trying to force his, his coaching philosophies onto the coaches that he had kept hiring at that time. But you, there's no way you go from fighting for a title content. Like, like no lie, even though they didn't even make it to the conference finals, the Knicks were title contenders for a few years. They just fell short because they had to go through the paces and and the heat. Mm -hmm. And at one point, the Celtics. Like, but the Knicks were, you're not going to go, how do you go from title contenders to retooling and going with a first-time head coach? Like, you fire Mike Woodson, who got them to the conference semifinals, and go with a first-time head coach. Just because you were getting someone that was gonna be willing to do what you say, the, the puppet. Yeah, but go ahead. Well, the next guy on my list, I went to baseball, and I went to Colorado, and that's Walt Weiss, who was manager at the Rockies. Had players like Lauren Arenado, Trevor Story, Carlos Gonzalez, Charlie Blackman, DJ Lemayhew. Troy Chulewiski, and ended up with four consecutive 85-plus lost seasons. At one point, he got into a fight with Troy Chulewiski in the clubhouse. He called, Chulewiski called him a flake and said that he ran a, a country club because he was soft and the players weren't respecting him. Um, I don't know how you amass a 283-365 record with that roster because I'm pretty sure that any other manager could have taken that, that group of Legit all-stars. You're talking about LeMayhew and Blackman and Story to the Whiskey, Arenado. Those are all all-star players. Couldn't do nothing with them. 85-plus lost seasons. The team didn't respect them. At the end, they were just it was just a, a shit show they had there. And um, they ended up getting canned. So that's my fourth on my list. That's a lot of losing. And, you know, you just listed some really good players, some all-stars some really top flight players and, you know, didn't get the job done. Um, I'm going, same with Larry, I'm going towards the basketball. I'm going with another Phil Jackson disciple. I'm going with Kurt Rambis. Now, Kurt Rambis, he could be here for multiple teams, multiple reasons. You're going to start off with the Minnesota Timberwolves, which was a young team. They uh, had a young Kevin Love, a lot of young talent there. They weren't expected to win much. However, when you're when you're given the opportunity, like we said, you can't go 15 and 67. You can't go 17 and 65. It's you know, there's bad years and then there's just brutal years. When you're a basketball team and you win 15, you win 17 games. Everything is just going wrong for you. So that was just the first part of it. The second part of it is when it's time here in New York, he didn't coach as much, but it felt like he was like a plant, like a mole for Phil Jackson. It it felt like he was there just to report to Phil Jackson and tell him what was going on. And, And most importantly, both him and Derek Fisher, I felt like they were forcing the triangle even if the roster didn't have players that fit that system. So putting all that together, yeah, it was all because of Phil Jackson, but, you know, I can't put Phil Jackson on this because he wasn't coaching. No, I agree with you. Was technically the coach. So, you know, 
Kervamp is overall 72 and 173. Um, off court, he was the mole for Phil Jackson. So it's all of it comes together. Kurt Rambis is number four on my list, and uh, I, we're all happy he's out of New York. Now, number three on my list is from the WNBA. Now, I feel a little bad because this we don't really talk about the women on this show, and I don't. I feel bad like the first time we're really doing it, and I'm I'm talking negatively about her. So before I get into her coaching, I want to give her her flowers for her playing career. She played from 1999 to 2013 in the WNBA, seven-time All-Star, was inducted into the WNBA Hall of Fame. Well, she was inducted into the Hall of Fame for the WNBA. She's one of the best scorers of the early 2000s, one of the best shooters of all time. And the, the only thing is that Miss Katie Smith just wasn't successful as a head coach. She was Bill Lambier's assistant head coach with the New York Liberty. And then she succeeded him after his departure. She coached the New York Liberty from 2018, um, in the 2018 season and the 2019 season. In her first season as the head coach, she's coaching a team that was just in the playoffs and competing trying to get to a championship. Like, they were legit title contenders under Bill Lambert because of how great their defense was. And with basically the same exact roster with only a few changes, the team went from a top three defense to ninth and ninth overall in defense. No, 10th overall in defensive rating and gave up the ninth most points a game. They went 7-27 and in her first season. Her second season, they went 10 and 24. And they had the worst defense in the NBA, in the WNBA. And they had the one of the worst offenses in the WNBA. Now the team was even worse the following year. A few players got hurt. They didn't have the same exact roster, but Tina Charles was still there. Well, no, Tina Charles wasn't there her second year. Yeah, she was. I'm bugging. But like, you just saw a decline in everybody's production in both years she was there from the first year to the next. The team overall um, was underperforming when you look at the roster and their record. And she just had a really, she had a really bad tenure two years and they didn't renew her contract and she hasn't been a head coach since. But shout out to Katie Smith, Hall of Famer. Quick, quickly on this, um, the list is vast of great players who just aren't good coaches and you know there's nothing wrong with that it's it's very difficult to be great at many things you know you think right off the bat of Magic Johnson when he coached the Lakers for a little bit couldn't really handle it you know when you're when you're playing you're that, that great you expect your players to be able to do the things maybe that was easy for you you get frustrated. It's not that easy for players that don't have the skill that you have. And being a coach is, is difficult. It's, it's not easy. So, you know, not, not being able to uh, get the job done as a coach doesn't take anything away from the playing career. And, you know, as long as we, you know, we keep it separate, we move on. Third on my list is Randy Whitman former head coach of the Wolves and the Wizards. Uh, Randy was uh, the first overall pick by the Bullets and ended up coming home to coach the Wizards. And uh, it was a disaster. He stunk. He was horrible. He had a 278 and 406 record. Uh, the Wizards ended up giving him the can because in the locker room, there was friction. Um, he wouldn't call out veterans, but he would call out rookies. At that time, he had um, John Wall and uh, rookie Bradley Beal when he got canned. And um, I heard there was a scuffle. I read in an article during uh, uh, a, a tape session where they were going through tape and there was scuffle in there because he called out Beal and called out Wall. And um, those two guys didn't, you know, they weren't, they didn't take lightly to it. Uh, there were veterans on the team like Nene and a whole bunch of other guys that really were dogging it, um, just getting a paycheck. 
and not doing anything, and he had no control of the locker room. Um, they ended up having a horrendous season. Uh, it was bad. He Before that, he coached the, the Timberwolves. He was also terrible. I think he won like 16 games combined in two years. Um, he wasn't meant to be a head coach. So third in my list is the terrible Randy Whitman. I'm going to let it be known that I'm not here to pick on the Knicks or to there you are. just name Nick coaches for no reason. It's just that this is very recent and we all seen it. Um, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to actually, for number three, mix Jeff Hornacek and our friend Fisdale because looking back, Fisdale was worse than I could even imagine. I knew he was bad just from, you know, watching the games and, you know, watching how the fans reacted to him. But when you look at his record, it's it's the stuff of nightmares. So I got Jeff Hornacek and I got Mr. Fisdale. Um, actually, if I had to pick, I'm going to go with Fisdale, actually, because Fisdale came with the uh, – with the reputation of being a smart, a smart players coach, you know, he was with LeBron in the heat for a while. He went to Memphis, got them to the playoffs. You know, he had a situation with, with Gasol and he got canned. And his his whole, whole tenure here was a nightmare. And what I'll add on, on top of that is, if we remember, it was around the Christmas holidays. I remember uh, Fisdale got fired. And I'm not going to say the Nick team took off. But they played a respectable brand of basketball under Mike Miller, and he did a great job with mainly the same roster. So there's no reason that uh, Fisdale should have been that bad and then Miller did that good of a job with them. Um, I'm pretty sure Will and Larry, you guys, I don't know if you want to say anything about Mr. Fisdale, but he was a he was just a disaster. He had problems dealing with reporters. He had problems Fisdale was a con artist who used to smile. Yeah people's faces he came here and collected a check still collecting money he was terrible you know he just got a job because he was cool with lebron and Dwayne wade but he can't be a coach so i don't know i don't know what i don't know in what mind people thought that he was a he was a good hire to be a head coach i, I don't understand he had problems with memphis then he came here had the same problems it wasn't a lack of talent because if you look the same roster that fisdale had basically came over and Thibodeau took that team to a four seat but it's not even Thibodeau. Even before Thibodeau, it was Miller. Miller yeah, had them playing right. good had basketball. Them well, you're right. You're correctly right. He had them playing well, competitive basketball. That team quit on him because he was a loser. That's what it was. He was a, he was a straight-up loser. Then he comes in and talks all that nonsense on the way out. I mean, you got to take some type of accountability. He had a, a winning percentage of 202. That's all you need to know. And, and again, when you add in the fact that they – overachieved when he left and the fact that the, how he dealt with the media and if I recall correctly and I'm, I normally do about these things he he didn't speak with the media and then like it was like on a Friday night I believe or Friday afternoon he was gone so he knew he was going to be gone you know and it was just a nightmare. And, you know, thankfully, as we've seen, the Knicks are in a better place right now. They're moving forward. But uh, number three on the list, number three on the list, like I said, I wanted to go Hornacek, and I, I had that on the list before, but I'm going with David Fisdale just because, like you said, the whole – his whole reputation – and even after get going on ESPN and stuff and, you know, acting like he knows what he's talking about, it was just a bad, it was just a bad, bad situation for him here. Who for me is, is Mickey Calloway of the New York Mets. He's a scumbag. All the sexual harassment and allegations against him. He's a piece of scumbag. He's a piece of crap. The fact that Sandy so-called did his due diligence and still hired him, horrible. And then to make matters worse, as a, as a manager, he was horrible. He made horrible in-game decisions. He, he was one of the worst managers we've had in history, let alone in the last 10 years. 
finished in fourth of the division the first year he he was the manager, 77 and 85. And then his second and final year, a little bit of improvement, 86 and 76, but we still finished third in the division, though. Like, we we never made the playoffs with him. I mean, shit, we haven't made the playoffs since they got rid of Terry Collins. But Mickey Calloway was the other person I was alluding to when I said that off-the-field stuff, well, stuff away from the job was also... But even then, like, it's still part of the job, like, He's harassing reporters and people within the organization. Like, he's just a scumbag. Like, he's really a piece of crap. A piece of garbage. Guys, if you read some of the messages supposedly he sent, he was just corny, too, on top of that. Like, this is this is the guy that you hire, like you, like you said, that like you sit down and you interview and you do your background check, and this is the guy that, you know, for lack of a better word, he conned you into, into getting a managing job. But... Uh, and, the constant, and the constant stalking, the constant, you know, instigating. And if you want to... pictures. They have his strudel. Unbelievable. Even past that, if you want to just keep it onto the field, he's responsible for doing something I never seen in a game before that. He had the the lineup. He had a player back out of order. Like, like, are you kidding me? I had never seen that before. I might not, never see that again. How do you bat out of order? I just, I don't understand. And rightfully so, his, his reign was short. I don't even like talking about this guy, man. Because, you know. Hopefully, better days ahead for the new manager when he or she is announced. All right. <clears throat> so next on my list is Matt Patricia from the Detroit Lions, who ended up with a nine and twenty-one overall record. Not only that, Mr. Patricia had an eleven-game losing streak at one point. He he was terrible. He came in there because he was known on defense. They had maybe some of the worst defensive lines his his, his tenure there. Uh, he almost got Matthew Stafford killed because they kept they, they couldn't keep him protected. And uh, not only that, he's part of the Mickey Calloway scumbag committee. He was charged with sexual harassment, sexual assault in college. And um, the Detroit Lions said, you know what? We'll press that under the table. That's all right. We'll let a rapist coach the sidelines and end up with a horrendous record. You know, 9-21. Horrible. He came from that Belichick coaching tree that was fucking terrible. Because I don't know, some of the coaches that end up there end up end up trash. Charlie Weiss, uh, McDaniel's, they're all trash. They end up leaving there and they're no good. And on top of that, he's a he's a scumbag. Yeah, just a scumbag that uh, can't keep his pants um, zipped up. And uh, we just need to get him out of here. And glad they fired him because his his football is just like his uh, everything anything else. He strikes out of what he does. So uh, that was my choice. Is uh, the pervert. And um, now fired, Matt Patricia. I mean, if we're going to be honest, I got to give McDaniels a little bit of, you know, of some relief from the from the hate right now because he did get the Broncos to the playoffs and he was able to do that with not a real quarterback. If you know, you know, you know who was the quarterback for that team. So, I mean... And he's highly respected. He's always wanted as a job. So maybe he could save the better check coaching tree. But I'm glad you mentioned him, Patricia, because not only that, he was so arrogant in his press conferences. Yes. And I'm that's, sure. the, that's the problem. You can't be, you can't have like a 2-13, and 2-14 team and be arrogant like that. Like, who are you? Talking bad to the media, talking bad to the fans. It's easy to take all the credit when you when you coach him with Belichick and stuff, but when some of these guys leave, it's the arrogance. That coaching tree got you the job. It's not going to keep you the job, and it's not going to keep you getting respect. So you got to respect the reporters, the media. I know sometimes they ask questions you don't want to hear or they, or they want to take things and make it bigger than it is, but guess what? That's their job. They're doing their job, and he's doing only his job. Who now alienating your fan base because now women are seeing that this guy has sexual charges on him and nothing is done and you keep him as the coach not only that he's not even successful 
So now it's you're on top of that. You're dropping dirt on top of dirt. So and, he's, the, and, you, and you're belittling people. Yes. So. Yes. You can say what you want about some franchises that don't win, but the Lions have been inept for a long time. People laugh about the Dolphins and the Jets and this and that, but those teams have been to the playoffs. They've been to championship games recently, you know? But what have the Lions done? That's a terrible, terribly run franchise with some loyal fans because the Lion fans are really loyal. They stick to their team regardless of what the situation is. Those, those stadiums are packed regardless of the fact. And the fact that he had the arrogance to talk to fans like that with all that on his, on his record shows you that he, he's a piece of garbage, not only as a human being, but as a coach. Speaking of bad coaches, of course, my number two is going to be another giant coach. It's going to be Pat Shermer. And it's going to be Pat Shermer because he was awful here. He didn't, he didn't understand the New York media. The Giants offense, the Giants team as a whole was awful under him. They weren't exciting. And I'm also, you know, you have to add what he did with the Cleveland Browns also. So I'm looking at the Giants as his second chance. When he got the job, everybody's like, okay, he's coming from the Browns. And he, he said in his press conference, he learned – the first time from his first job, so he won't make the same mistakes. Obviously, it didn't work out, but um, one of the things that I noticed is he had Odell Beckham, and Odell Beckham was a star from when he got here. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like the process started with him and McAdoo where they lost, they lost it. They weren't using him correctly. The team wasn't winning, and he had talent, and that, that, that's a big deal for me. There's certain coaches that they come in, you starting in, in a shitty situation. I feel like he had the talent to play well. Mm-hmm. Eli was still, if not in his prime, at the edge of, of being out of his prime. And again, Beckham was there. There was a lot of talent there. And it was just a whole – this whole era, this, this whole era was – they just mishandled – everything and I think they hired the wrong guy and I think Pat Shermer was the wrong guy and it was proven for him to be the wrong guy and and a lot of things the names of the people we were naming notice they haven't gotten head coaching jobs mm-hmm. other head coaching jobs yeah. since so yeah. you know and there's a re- there's a reason for it and I know I know Larry is a huge giant fan and you know he's used to winning he's used to seeing Super Bowls but uh Pat Shermer Ben McAdoo, names names and people you like to forget going forward. Terrible. Well, you know, <clears throat> we'll we'll hit back to me now. And uh, I my my last pick would be Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson with a terrible record at eleven and forty four overall. Three no, and thirty six. I'm, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to cut you off. We're gonna leave Hugh Jackson because I have Hugh Jackson also. So we both have Hugh Jackson as the worst. I'm going to let you explain why he's the worst. Go ahead. Listen, Hugh Jackson, they gave him the chance to take the team over, right? And then it's, it's unbelievable the type of st- – not only that, the quotes to the media after the game, you know, he thought the team battled and they were good. and they were No, they were not. They were not good, Hugh. You guys stunk. You can't have a 3-36 and 36 record and say every game you guys competed. Competed in what? What were you competing with? You were getting hammered. And you can say that Hugh got, you know, the players that he was getting and Cleveland stunk and stuff like that. But at the end of the time, he ended up having beef with Baker Mayfield before he left because Baker was telling him the truth. Baker saw the writings on the wall. He saw the garbage that he was throwing in there. And you cannot, as a coach, talk shit to players and sugarcoat garbage and expect them to eat it. It's not going to work that way. That's the reason why you have a 3-36 and record in three years. That is terrible. You could roll out of bed and try to get one win in three years, and, and you got a win a year, basically, in that tenure. And he has an 11 and 44 overall record. So that means it's not the players, Hugh. It's you. 
Talk to me about this guy, Lowe's, man. You you hit it right on the head. You you can't draft a quarterback who's supposed to be a franchise quarterback and have a, a failed relationship right from the beginning. You're gonna go. The quarterback is not gonna go. Period. This is like if Rob uh, if Salah has problems with Zach Wilson, I'm pretty sure they're trying to make it work with the franchise quarterback, and you know coaches can be replaced. Now the one credit that I will give you is that he he have, he himself admitted that he failed terribly and mm-hmm. he did he knows he did and only thing that we're talking about him he got hired he got a college job yeah but he the funny thing is after he um he got fired didn't he um end up going to a team in division because that's when Baker Mayfield a couple of games yeah. later, saw him in the sideline and was exactly. like pointing at him and stuff. Yeah. I forgot yeah. what team it was. I think it was the Bengals, maybe. The Bengals. But, the, yeah, the Bengals. Yeah, you 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 can't you can't walk around with that record, and you can't walk around you can't walk around with that record, and you can't walk around with the I'm the king. This is my place. You know, again. Just like some of the other coaches on these lists, you think you're better than people, or you're talking talk with a record that doesn't match your talk. Bill Belichick don't say nothing, and he don't need to say anything. But when you when you and you know what gets me mad, I'm gonna be honest. What gets yeah. me mad also is the Jets lost that damn game to the Bengals that Thursday it night. It did, in which they were 14 to nothing, and Tyrod Taylor got hurt, and it forced them to put in Baker Mayfield, and he led them to the comeback win. He exactly. didn't want to put Baker Mayfield in. So I, I, you could probably hear it in me, but I'm angry because they just lost to the damn Browns, winless Browns that they had, that promotion where everybody was getting the free beer and they opened it and stuff. So and they had what? the cooler and everything. That was yeah, terrible. you know what? I'm a little salty about that. Uh, me too. He was, he, he, was the, he was the coach for the, for the Browns at that moment. And they won, not by anything he drew up, the mastermind, the offensive mastermind. It was because Tyrod Taylor got hurt and his hand was forced. And then, and then after that, he compiled three wins in three seasons. It's not the players, man. It's you. So some, this, this, these list of coaches shows the ineptitude of front offices when they're hiring these guys. They got to make sure you get the right people in place because – you can get the pieces around, but a good coach will get something out of his players. And on this list, you could tell the coaches that we mentioned today weren't getting anything out of their players. Now, the worst coach on my list is Adam Gase. He had two years with the Jets, and before that, he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins for three years. He has a 32-48 and 48 overall record. If I'm not mistaken, never been to the playoffs. Now, granted, he's a coach in the AFC East the entire time, going up against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But he was ass. Um, we've seen time and time again, with the exception of Sam Darnold, players go elsewhere or play for a different head coach and play better. In particular, quarterback, look at Ryan Tannehill with Mike Vrabel in comparison to when he was playing for Adam Gase in Miami. <clears throat> Adam Gase is just a wild coach to have. Like, Could you imagine having to look him in the eyes every day at practice? He's like that guy from the waterboard that he talked mad weird, the hillbilly guy. He, was, yep. um, he played Sean Hunter's father in Boy Meets World. Yep, he's the That's voice a- of Slinky. Slinky from uh, Toy Story. That's right. Yeah, see? So, like, this guy, like, that's what he reminds me of, like, with those crazy eyes. Like, I, I couldn't imagine having to look at him every day at practice or having to talk to him all the time. I couldn't even imagine playing for him. Like, he's just a horrible coach. Here, here's the thing. As a, as a Jet fan and, you know, the cuts still being fresh, you watch him play, and two things that come to mind right away, he gave up on games. 
there were games that they weren't technically out of that he would, let's say it's, uh, let's just say 18-6, fourth quarter, 10 minutes left. It's like fourth and one, fourth and two. He'll punt it instead of he'll, he'll punt he'll it instead, punt it instead of, go of going for it. for it. Yeah, and that used to drive me crazy because like some of the other coaches here, he acted like he was God's gift to to football. And and the bottom line was he got his he got his praise for being Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator in Denver. Guess what? Peyton Manning didn't need an offensive coordinator. Peyton Manning was great. So the fact that you know he got all that praise from from coaching Peyton Manning and he would qu- he would quit in these games. You you just said it. He would quit in these games. And not saying that the Jets were win- were great and he had the best roster. He didn't. But when you mix in the fact that he looked lost and he was stubborn as hell, he wouldn't change anything. There was no game planning into into some of these games. But the mo- the, the thing I just said it, the thing that the worst that got to me is how he quit in games and you know the the media would get to him after games and you know he would talk to them like who are you to question me well look at your team's offense i'm pretty sure they were last or second to last all the years he was here terrible he was a terrible coach he was a he was terrible with the media he belittled the fans uh, he thought he knew more than what he did and it didn't show on the field. This team was always unprepared. I don't know how many penalties you would have watched during the game. And they would rack out penalties at the penalty, killing drives because he couldn't have a disciplined team on the field. Yet he preached that he was a disciplinarian, that he would make sure that that stuff would stay and it wouldn't happen. Every time it won't happen, I promise. Next time it won't get it together. No one bought into it. He came in here because they picked him as the coach. I don't know why. Because in Miami, they were dying to get out of it. The players were celebrating when he got fired. So the fact that he came to New York and was on a bigger stage to shit himself was funny because I guarantee you he'll never get another job in the NFL. Yeah, bro, I, I think he will not – maybe not as a head coach, but I believe he signed – I forgot where, but I believe he got hired as an offensive coordinator this year. Where? He watches the jocks? I don't, I don't know what, what, uh, what the hell he's doing. I would oh, like to no, see- my bad. I just double-checked. He's an offensive coordinator at a high school. Yeah, exactly. That's so, where he'll stay. Damn, he can't even get a head coaching job at a high school. I'm going to. He's done in the NFL. How do they he'll let someone on the cam- uh, high school campus that looks like that? He looks like he's going to throw somebody in the back of his van. Yep. And he'll probably, no, no lie, I think the highest he'll probably get, it'll probably be a coaching job now. I don't think he'll touch the NFL again. I'm glad you brought up the fact that the Dolphin players and media were were throwing a party when he was gone. And they were laughing at, at the Jets when they hired him. I laughed at and, the Jets when the Jets hired him. And, and and being fair, most Jet fans were very upset when they hired him. They were. You know, we were. You know it, it's not it's not something that caught us by surprise. We knew he was gonna be bad. We just didn't know how bad. And it it was worse than than, than we could imagine. Yeah, I, on behalf of all football fans, I want to apologize to you for what you had to go through with him as your head coach. But it could have been worse. Could've and I think I really think I really think he got the job because of that damn call Peyton Manning made. Because you know yeah. the jet the jet yeah. ownership isn't the aren't the smartest people in the room. They get a call from Peyton Manning. And it opened them up, and they got happy, and they're like, "Oh, Peyton Manning gave us a call personally for this guy, you know." I wonder was, how much John Elway John paid got him. the hard on for um for Adam Gaze. The minute he got the call, they Peyton Manning called. That's it. He that wrapped it up right there. That's all it took. I wonder how much John Elway paid Peyton Manning to make that phone call to get Adam Gaze out of town. Probably that, that's probably that was probably the plan. You're right. That was probably the plan. To get him out of there. Wait, no, because he was already in Miami by that time, right? He went straight. Am I bugging or he went straight from Miami to, he went, to New he York? He went straight yeah. from Miami to New York, like a couple of weeks, maybe. Exactly. He didn't even get, he didn't, he wasn't even freshly fired and he was already on the Jets. I got a quick question for you guys, if you don't mind. Hmm? Okay. 
anyone coaching right now that you see within the next year or two that might get fired that you, that you think can get put on a list like this or someone who at least is going in the in the wrong direction? Yes. If I'm going strictly with New York, I'm going to say Joe Judge. Um, if I have to go all around for football, I'd probably say probably still have to be Joe Judge right now. Maybe Mike McCarthy. For the NBA, hmm. Now, is it Joe Judge because because of you said, the way or, the, you the said Giants are playing now? You said trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, trending in the wrong direction. But yeah, so I, for me, Joe Judge is trending in the wrong direction because the Giants regressed a lot from year one to year two. We don't got to talk too much about the Giants today. I had a long I day. I, I I can't get into it with them right now. But I'm not saying he's on the list of worst coaches. I'm saying he's trending in that direction right now. If Got he's it. here past this year, which I don't think should be the case because Gettleman is like 99% sure Gettleman is out the door. So if Gettleman's out the door, you got to wipe the slate clean, let the new GM, whoever that person is, come in and pick their own people. But... Judge is trending in that direction. Um, if I have to go non-New York for football, I'd probably say I just, maybe Mike McCarthy or um, who's the guy that got fired from Atlanta last year? Dan Quinn. Oh, no, but you said current, right? He yeah. got fired last year. I, I was going to go with Zimmer from the Vikings. Oh, man. Oh, there you go. I just feel like they always, you know, underachieve. Too much. Too much underachieving. That's a team that we're stacked with the receivers and the running backs they have is that they should have advanced farther in the playoffs that they have. There's years where they don't make it, years when they do and they get bumped out early. Like, he, the, the expectations in Minnesota are very high. They're in a new stadium. They expect it to be. They always expect to be better than what they are. And for some reason, they're on the. They, they stay on that on that treadmill where they just it's consistently the same kind of record and a first round exit. And I, I, like you, I think he's he's he. I think if this season they don't they don't do something, he's gone. It, it, it's funny when uh, Lavi mentioned McCarthy, and I gotta ask myself, was he just a product of Aaron Rodgers and how good he is? Because he won a Super Bowl, so it's not like you could be like, oh, one of the worst coaches, he got a Super Bowl win, you know? But he, the last couple of years with the Packers and his first couple, his first two seasons with the Cowboys, it just doesn't look like he's learned anything. It looks like he's still coaching from 10 years ago. Still yes. doing the same place from 10 years ago. So, you know, that, that's a good name. That's a good name. Even though he's won a Super Bowl, you can't call him one of the worst coaches, you know, out of respect, but I the think last couple he, years, sorry, man. No, no, no go him ahead. And Pete, him and Pete Carroll got a lot to answer for because Pete Carroll rather run the ball eighty-seven percent of the time than you know than throw a pass, and he's gonna he's gonna be the reason Russell Wilson leaves. That's another name too that could be on that list where you never know if if in Seattle they get tired of him and they're and they ask him they want to start clean because if Russell Wilson leaves, you might have get rid of everybody and just start new again. Yeah, and after that play call in the Super Bowl, can't be mad at anybody that throws him on that list. <laughs> no, not at one all. Of the, one of the worst. I, I don't understand how you have a great running back, physical running back, and you try to throw that pass. But it gave us one of the best gifs, memes, whatever you want to call it. When, uh, oh, what's, the, what's the corner? The one that just got hurt with the 49ers? Malcolm Sherman. Sherman, yeah. When Sherman yeah. saw the, the interception and he yelled no, like that's one of the, the best player reactions I've ever seen to a bad play. And, you know, I hate the Patriots. So that's just one Super Bowl that they shouldn't have won. But, you know, what can so, you do? What about basketball? Who you got for basketball? Basketball is tough. Because yeah, current coaches. Current coaches, you got one. Go ahead, Chauncey Billups. Damn, he just got there. It's it's just not working. And remember, they don't have a GM. 
whoever comes in is going to want to hire their own guy. He's out, he's out at the end of this year. He's gone. They just it's just not working. You you already they talk about tension and the way he talks about the players in the media. That doesn't work like that. When you have especially with veteran guys, they're not going to take that. And th there's been friction since the beginning of the year. That was a bad hire. That wasn't a hire that a lot of people agreed with. Uh, they, it was a different type of coach they wanted there. Newton, without a GM, he's gone because they're gonna want they're gonna want to start clean. Unfortunately for him, that sucks. Yeah, but normally in basketball, Larry, you could uh, <laughs> you could further explain this. But normally in basketball, you just go like to the worst teams, or you go to the teams like New Orleans, who it always seems that they're firing a coach every season. So in basketball, it's much more difficult for me to find a name right off the top of my head. I don't know if he's a great coach or a bad coach, but, um, oh, man, I'm forgetting his name. The coach from the Pistons. Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey. I know, you know, he, they, you know, they're not a great roster and stuff, but. He's a nice gentleman, but, but he stinks. No, but this is what I'm saying, you know. <laughs> He's been there a couple of years. He so, say, you know, he's a good coach, but he's not a championship coach. He's not again. He's he, again, he won coach of the year like two, three years ago. Yeah. So it's rough to say like one of the worst coaches, but yeah, he won. Yeah, he's respectfully. By the way, you know if ago. you know if um if the Pacers coach needs to miss time for this COVID stuff, you know who's coaching for him, right? Yes, Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Lloyd Pierce, a, a favorite Another of Larry. horrible coach. Horrible yeah, coach. One of the worst coaches of the last 10 years. I, I got to I gotta admit, last year when they made the coaching change, I didn't think it was going to make that much of a difference. But Larry was the first person to say Lloyd Pierce needed to go. I thought At first, I thought, you know, they, they might have fired him a little too soon, you know, give him a chance. But, but Larry was on it all of last year. He said... You're gonna see a difference, and there definitely was a difference. And everything I said off. that was everything I said. Thank you for for giving me credit for that and remembering that. Everything that I said that was wrong with that team last year under Lloyd Pierce changed under Nate McMillan, and they ended up as a top five seed in the playoffs. Also, you know, in Lloyd Pierce's defense, team was pretty unhealthy before he got fired, mm -hmm. but. Even with the pieces he had, they were underachieving and they weren't playing the way that they should have been playing. Too many good players on that team and skilled players on that team for them to be playing ISO ball, looking like the Houston Rockets with James Harden. And when you lose the respect of the of your top players in the locker room, you oh, basically... on, yeah, on top of that, like he was disrespectful to his players. Like it's in particular Trey. The amount of times he disrespected. Trey publicly while he was the head coach was just it was appalling to say yeah. the least. I guess we could wrap it there. This coaching shit is depressing though when you think about it. 